Welcome to the Push Performance Podcast. Two months okay, later. Tell the audience who is speaking. This is Dalton Barry. How's it going? And Mike. Mike's one of our athletes. <laughs> Mike Byrne, baby. Mike Byrne. Future Mike. Mike. <laughs> and we have Andrew Amato. Hello. As usual, per usual. And one of our new newer coaches, not the newest coach now, but newer coaches, Dalton Hurd. So Dalton squared here today. And up. Ashton. The butter I would like cool. Andrew to kick things off. Yeah. The butter he, he said he had something to say about me, so I want to hear what he has to say. <laughs> okay, so he is heavily out on butter. Grass fed, grass finished. <laughs> no, he's things. not. No, he is. He, he says that it is what, quote unquote, <laughs> heavy set people eat. And I said, I said, okay, what do you use for your, like, you know, for your fats? Like, what do you, you know, what do you cook with? What, are you, what do you put on? Um, different things, you know. You, you see where I'm heading. Oh, but then, he, but then he then he rebuttaled and said that he uses olive oil. I said, okay. So what's the difference between olive oil and, and butter then? What do you got? Uh, the difference is that I would I would say a large, and you can fact check me on this. I don't know if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. <laughs> pretty sure. Um, I would say a large percentage of Americans overeat butter, which creates that uh, problem. This is not. This is not even remotely. An issue, and uh, the majority of Americans eat processed foods. I agree with that, but and this is a butter versus olive oil. Olive oil. I hear what you're saying. Though. I eat It's like a okay. Are you yeah. talking like like organic, extra virgin olive no, oil? I'm just you I'm talking. Just, I'm saying you put because that comes from a, a machine. And all of them, <laughs> if they're all overweight, and you look at their diet, olive oil is not going to be a problem. Butter probably. Or is it? I think from I get from an outsider's view, I see what you're saying. Do you eat steak? Yeah. Okay. Do you put butter on your steak? Absolutely not. Okay. You don't need to, right? Correct. Okay. That's what he's saying. So, if you look at back in the day, you eat steak. You DJ's gonna go off right now. You eat like organic cow stuff, like milk, milk and butter and all that, right? Okay. So that is more true than machine processed olive oils or uh, what do you call it vegetable oils or those oils that we're eating nowadays are just dog shit for you mm-hmm. what do you got in canola oil Bad. i, <laughs> I <laughs> think though to be devil's advocate no. i think what you're saying is people who excessively put butter on things yeah. but, right? i'm gonna like, be honest with you butter's not making you overweight I it's it's no, gonna be the I doritos no, it's gonna be the it's going to be the packaged foods. It's like Diet Coke. It's going to be the packaged foods. Diet Coke versus Coca-Cola. Diet Coke is better for you, but 90% of the time, people who are drinking Diet Coke also don't eat well in other No, areas. they don't. So they are also overweight. It's like, same idea. This is a silly same This way. is a silly conversation comparing olive oil to butter. Both of them are phenomenal. Yeah. I That's true. I just wanted to make sure that you are... Are you out on butter is what you're trying to say? Yeah, I'm out on butter. Oh, yeah. wow. There's no difference between there's like very small. Just My wife butter. would be going nuts you'll right now. You'll just never catch me putting butter on okay. same, same thing is you probably can overdo olive oil. But do I? Do. But do I? No butter on your toast? No butter on your toast. Jelly? Peanut butter? Peanut butter. See, I feel like peanut butter is actually worse yeah, than regular grass. Seed oils are the worst thing you can possibly eat. Any kind of seed oil is absolutely terrible. I do think I like what you're saying. With like Olive oil, butter, seed oil, butters. peanut butter, seed oil, Olive almond butter. Peanut it is. From the, the, uh, it is. Olives have seeds. But it's not a it's seed. It's a seed. It's technically a seed. I've read that olive oil is here, and then like sunflower oil, canola oil, all that is bad. I can see that. Yeah. I think it's because of the way that I'm not. Processed, di- I'm not right? dishing, you know, on, on, uh, olive oil right now but i was cooking my steak today or my not a steak my eggs this morning literally this morning my wife goes you shouldn't be using that oil you should be using um the grass-fed butter in the refrigerator she said ghee that's what uh, she said grass-fed just butter just and ghee. this episode's gonna be all food hot takes it's a seed oil. Coconut? One spoonful of coconut oil. I, I, dr- I eat it. I use it. it. I'm just saying it's still not, technically not good for you. Oils like that, and olive oil, they have really low uh, heating temperatures. They yep. tend to trans fats relatively quickly. Yes. So if you go coconut oil, holds temp. Uh, avocado, avocado oil, holds yeah. temp. And then butter, you're, you're clean sailing. Those three are pretty money. DJ, what do you got on microwaves? Try not to use them. Yeah, I know. Because the majority of the time, the stuff you're heating up, like your plastic bowl, 
Yeah. Is going to be excreting stuff into your food. But a glass bowl thing? Glass bowl is better. I didn't know. Not, that. not the plastic. Like any we kind of plastic. Need to get an open fire. Plastic stove water bottles. <laughs> Have you seen those old school stoves? Like where you turn it on, you let it warm up, and then like the, it heats up, and then you take your food out. That's mm -hmm. majority what you need. That's what you need. The BPAs, that's what I'm trying to say. BPAs and all the plastics get excreted out times 100 million with the microwaves. It's tough out here trying to be yeah. alive. So, <laughs> I don't have anything to eat. We got a lot of coming. I'm, just glad I'm excited for this podcast. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad I, got I, I, I like the, the combos. Who's ready to start this Monday? Like, seriously. Yeah, we're just like 10 minutes. So, the way this started today. Okay, I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah. Dalton, Dalton Hurd and I were having a conversation about hitting. Okay talking about how we don't believe we need certain technology. Don Barry comes in, sits down. Okay. What well, we need certain technology for certain things that not what you think we need it for essentially. Right. Okay. We do need it. Okay. Dalton starts asking really good questions to Don Barry starts asking really good questions. Dalton heard. We got to figure this one out. Um, B and H. Yeah. So they started talking about hitting stuff and Dalton is really insecure. Dalton Barry is really insecure about 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 Barry was really insecure about Heard disagreeing with him. I don't think insecure is the right word. No, you were. I, 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 I heavily disagree, especially from the way that I I train and especially the way that I think technology is like revolutionized baseball and the way that athletes have been able to like put something into quantifiable data and see it in front of your eyes rather than kind of guessing. I think that having a hit tracks or a track man, that's it's pretty invaluable when it comes to getting back some of the feedback that we're looking for. Bro, we're, comes from we that. agree with that 100%. So when, we're not. He, when you guys say like hit tracks isn't a necessity, I find that like kind of like I don't know how much I agree or disagree with that simply because I feel like to our naked eye, am I like, oh, you really squared that ball up? And then we look back at hit tracks and it was like, okay, well, Okay. We can't really look at exit velocity launch angle. We can't really figure all that stuff out. Hit tracks versus trackman. That's what we were talking about. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Trackman is more viable for us because we can see the spin of the baseball off the bat, just like we do mm -hmm. on on the mound. We're huge into data. You guys, the other listeners, already know that. You guys already know that. that's all we yeah. live by. That's all we do. Um, but what Dalton Hurd and I were saying is that the trackman is a better tool. Because kids aren't just going to try and get up there and hit home runs and do all that, you know, bad have bad movements. But what's most important is seeing that ball spin off the bat, the ball flight off the bat, right? Yes, having measurable things that you can track over time that are achieved based of what you're teaching outside of that outside of that tool. So whatever you're teaching outside of the TrackMan uh -huh. should improve the numbers sure. that show up on TrackMan. Agreed. You shouldn't be chasing exit velos. You shouldn't be chasing certain spins. It should happen as a result of being coached well on the swing. Quality movement. Right. Quality movement. But isn't that, isn't having a hit track or even a track and just like reinforcing like by seeing, okay, I, I've made these adjustments over the last however many weeks. We, we all know like athletes love to see and our trainees love to see like, okay, something quantifiable that they can show either in themselves or be their parents or whatever their coaches like, hey, um, I've gotten better based off of this. It, it's able to put it down in for sure. Like not only I feel like my movements have gotten better, I can now see and I am able to tell that my movements are correlating into being a better baseball player, which we know hit the ball far, hit it in the air and hit it, you know, exit velo pretty much that's it. Like hit, a, hit it hard, hit it far. That's yes. what, those are the two things. So like those, those are the things that you want to measure, right? That's, mm -hmm. Those are the things that, yes, I, I think we would all agree. It's good to look back on some of those numbers and make sure they're improving. Yeah. But that piece of technology itself isn't necessarily what the athlete needs to be looking at every day. Okay. That's not what we're chasing. Like a hit tracks machine, oftentimes like you're, you're getting really bad feedback from it since it doesn't take into account a lot of spin. Okay. Um, you're, and you start to chase, you know, hitting the ball out in certain parks just based off of this video game that you're playing rather than yeah. actually improving your swing. And you can you can cut some corners in, in that context and, and end up doing things that actually harm you. So are you, are you like, would it be fair to say that you guys both think that a track man for hitting, not for pitching, is better and, and or more reliable than having a hit tracks? Are you, are you saying neither one of them is a worth it thing to have? I say, I would say, and DJ, please chip in obviously, but the track man is more valuable because it's, 
it's way more accurate and provides you with a lot more data. What's the difference? Because I honestly, I, I know that like, like for Rapsoda, like when Rapsoda was kind of the, the big thing in pitching, I know they have a golf one. Like I don't know much about it, but I know like I don't I know the difference between the two. Answer your question with that question is what's the difference between the Rapsoda and the TrackMan? What's more reliable? Well, that, but I, I I can tell you right now the reason for that is is the observed versus inferred movement. So like a rap soto is more of like an inferred movement. It only picks up the first forty odd some feet, and then after that it has to guess where a ball should quote unquote go. So a guy that has like a seam fifty weight changeup or a two seam actually looks really bad on rap soto. But track on the other hand uses optical and lasers, and it's able to do an observed movement. So we can actually see for a full sixty. 0.6 feet, what a ball is doing the whole way. So is that kind of the same idea with Trackman and the hit tracks, or is it something different? Or what what is different between the hit tracks and the Trackman? I think sense? what you just said yeah. was the, the answer with the Trackman. Okay. I think that I, I'm not 100 percent sure on the hit tracks, but I've seen more mysteries at our Colorado facility on the hit tracks than on the Trackman. Really? Yeah. Trackman is pretty dang reliable. Yeah. Okay. So like so like what we were saying and before it, we said it covers bat path and it covers it? Okay. It covers approach to yeah. the ball and it covers spin of the ball, exit velocity, launch angle. So the only thing it's really missing is like the little video game ish. That's cool. all it's actually missing. It, it like has like a fake field. field. It has yeah. a fake field. Okay. It shows like it technically shows where the ball is flying and like where it's landing, but it's not it's just not like like Aesthetically pleasing on a screen. It's not a Peco park. You no, can't go play exactly. Peco or PNC yeah, yeah. park. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. And just typically, in my experience, to using a hit track, it's like you can top spin a ball really hard mm -hmm. to the back of the cage and with a pretty high exit below, and it's going to tell you the ball went way further than it did. Yeah. It's just not as accurate. Um, gotcha. Not to say it's not a useful tool, though. And that's yeah. what we started talking about, like after, <laughs> you know, right before we started this, is. Um, we're not knocking on any of this stuff, but rather saying like, we're asking the questions, what is the most important thing for a hitter or in your guys' world, a pitcher? Like, what is the number one thing you need to address? And is this piece of technology actually going to help them fix that? It, it is for sure a useful yeah. tool. It's like, and then I made the analogy of, it's like, what, well, why would you tell somebody not to take creatine or not to um, supplements more protein in their diet it's like well because they sleep for three hours a night and they aren't consistent with their training and that's the stuff you need to focus on first you yep. it's not it's not okay let's start taking amino acids and creatine yeah. and more protein so that was built off of the question you had of what do you think about short bat long bats and overload underloads yeah more like yeah just kind of like your philosophy and ideology like getting the hitting stuff up and going like i know like pretty much my background with it like the the very limited background that i had in hitting that i that I took some on a couple courses and whatnot was basically just like, hey, using axe bats, short bats, long bats, barrel loaded, handle loaded, uh, underloaded, overload bats, kind of just like to train bat speed, to train better barrel path, to train body awareness, uh, better posture, just random, just various things based on the bat. And uh, I think you, I think you brought up a good point of that. You can go ahead and share that. I think I think that was a good point. Yeah, and uh, tell me if you're thinking of something else I said, but basically what I was saying is like, it really, again, depends on what the hitter's number one priority is, what they need to fix first and foremost. Without a doubt, training bat speed is something that's going to help. Mm -hmm. Having more bat speed will mean you will hit the ball harder. You will get more hits. But most of the time, especially with the baseball players we've been working with, they've been swinging a bat for a long time. Bat speed is not their number one most pressing issue. Sometimes they just have a shitty swing. Sure. The swing first, and then. Because, like, in my, like I said, like, a, a, I know for me, like, even when I was messing with my own swing, like, I just had, like, a terrible ability to, like, keep my barrel in the zone a long time. I was like, okay, I need to, I'm just going to try and swing it underneath the ball and hit the ball as far as I can. Well, I was missing everything. One of my friends that I worked with was like, hey, pick up that long bat. And I was like, holy crap. If as soon as I try and do this and like have my barrel dump and go down, I was screwed. I was never gonna hit the ball. Right. So do you think like just like how we have pile balls, like a guy that like has bad arm patterning, like we want to give him overload balls simply because you're gonna get him into better positions and better movement patterns because it's a it's like a it's like a training wheel. Like you can't do this because you're gonna get immediate feedback if you're moving it incorrectly. Yeah. So do you the think that would be a valuable the most thing? important part? Like touching on that, you that bat helped you a lot because you felt it right away. Yeah. If you can do that without having to pick up 
something that isn't like the regular bat you swing, then I think you should do that rather than training yourself with objects that are not exactly like what you're going to be using. But when it came down to it, like that's what you needed. So that then you make it, you, then you make that decision. That's what helps you. Yeah. Right. Hey, what do you think about that? Because I think like in pitching, like like he's saying, like picking up an object that not necessarily is like something that you're going to be swinging every day. I think we've had, I think we've definitely had this conversation a lot. Is like on the throwing side, throwing is literally just throwing. Like people want to complicate it into like mechanics and like all this extra stuff, hip shoulder and different separation and all this other stuff. It's like at the end of the day, like. Some of the best throwers aren't even, they're not even baseball players. Some of them are javelin throwers. Some of them throw shot put. Some of them throw footballs. Like, mm -hmm. I think throwing is throwing, like, kind of what we were talking about with, like, the command balls of having, like, a 5% ball bigger, but it's also still five ounces. Or throwing a javelin, getting out of being a baseball player for a minute. I think it's all skill-based. It's like, uh, I think, first, a couple things. First of all, it depends on the athlete and their goals, right? If it's... If he's, if he's, let's say he's 23 years old and he throws 84, right, there's no point in the world to go and focus on command at all, right? So, like, obviously, hammering stuff that's going to make him throw harder, becoming a really, really, really good thrower, then that should be the goal. And, like, I, I think, in my opinion, and I think Dalton probably relates with it, is that to become a really good thrower, you shouldn't, like it obviously makes sense to like if you want to be really good at pitching and commanding baseballs, like you probably should be throwing a five ounce baseball nonstop off of the mound, right? And like that's usually what we do in the off season, right? Like when we get closer to uh, spring trains, like on their on guys' recovery days, like they'll throw off the mound. Um, but if this guy, for example, is twenty three, throws eighty four, right? He should become a really, really, really good thrower. And like I think, generally speaking, Can you I talk think about that right now. I was actually, I actually hit eighty six point nine. My issue was the fact that I, the, my issue is the fact that I physically cannot barbell back squat above two hundred five. Like that is a problem. Um, but but becoming really really good at throwing and giving yourself a lot of different variability in your throwing, right? Like some days, like what I, I mean, shoot, I've kind of done it with you a little bit. Is like there there have been days where I've told him to like we've gone out and just thrown blue balls for long toss. Right, a blue ball. A blue ball is a pound ball, but like you start to self-organize a little bit better when there's so much variation in your in your throwing. Um, another side note is like there are a lot on a lot of guys' recovery days, especially if if we start picking up trends in like their weighted ball mound velos or their or their uh, their pull down sessions, whatever the case may be. And like there's like certain trends that you'll start to notice, or like we started to notice, is like we have an idea of where. On certain recovery days, you will literally pick up this bucket of objects that we have that have clubs in them and wiffle balls and all sorts of things, and you'll go out and you'll just kind of huck them. You'll just huck them. Um, you'll do single leg throws. You'll do, like, kneeling throws. You'll do torso throws. Just becoming really, really good at throwing. And, like, it's actually, like, worked pretty dang well for I mean, Cooper Coons. Cooper, Cooper, yeah, Cooper Coons is honestly the best. Time. I saw him do that today, and everyone's like, dude, why is that guy yeah. just throwing the bucket? And I'm like, he's like, the guy threw a one-ounce wiffle ball. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's literally just because if he gets a baseball in his hands, he moves like crap. He just, yeah. and he's, he'll even say that. And so I think, I think, like, back to, like, the point on hitting, though, is, like, that if mechanics are the biggest downfall to someone's um, performance, and it's not, let's say it's not, like, let's say the first step isn't just like crushing exit velo, crushing bat speed. Mm -hmm. Then yeah, like then 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 swinging the bat that you are going to be using on a daily basis may be the key, right? But I think if I bring it back to pitching, right? If if that pitcher's goal at that point in time is to become have really really good stuff and be super super commandy with the baseball, they should probably throw a baseball more often than not. I think yeah. it turns into it turns into a heavy, heavily based <coughs> skill movement. It's, it's a skill movement based off of, of of pitch shapes or trying to throw stuff really, really hard. And then that's when you start blending the gap between the two. What, what's interesting about this is I think it all comes back to the very first thing that you said. It just depends on the athlete. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not even the rest of the sentence. It depends on the athlete. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not – going back to what you said just a second ago, if exit below is not the number one priority and the swing is – and we're going to swing something as game-like as possible to clean up their barrel path as much as they can. Most of the time, it's going to be their actual bat in their hands, and we're going to be working with that. But sometimes, throw a curveball in there. Maybe to get them to feel the right thing, we're actually going to use a heavy bat, even though that 
leans more towards uh, the exit below ball off bat training mm-hmm. that we were talking about in the first place. Yeah, I wouldn't ever pair those two things together. Using a heavier bat to clean up your bat path, I would sometimes though. That is actually what I was trying to say. Rarely would I do that right from the get-go, mm-hmm. but if I've tried a lot of things and I'm just trying different ways to get an athlete to feel where their barrel's at in space and nothing else is working, I give them a 50-ounce bat and see, yeah. just swing this thing. <laughs> how does this work? It's funny. So it really does change from person to person. How are you going to get there and how are you going to accomplish these goals change from person to person? Well, I think that's how we go about everything here. Is yeah. It's a case-by-case scenario, right? That's what makes it fun. For sure. it's not nobody's <clears throat> sitting sitting there doing the same thing for the most part at all whatsoever actually right everybody moves differently everybody has different demands everybody has different abilities right even if you're a big league or two left-handed pitchers or two left-handed hitters the big leagues they're going to move different they're going to need different cues they're going to need you know different constraints restraints whatever you want to say they're going to they're going to need certain things you know what i mean they might one might throw a club one might throw a med ball you know what I mean? One might do med ball scoop tosses while one's doing an underload bat, you know? It really just depends on human movement, I think, and the way their genetics, the genetics plays a big role in it. Yeah. Well, how their body responds to what, you know, how they're cued. And, like, growing up as a child, like, as you know, as a psychology major, like, growing up as a child is, like, a big part of how guys respond on the mound or in the oh, box. It's, it's everything. It's everything, it's right? And then if you, don't, if you can't connect with the way they're talking or the way what you're doing, like, they're doing all the movements right until they get the actual implement in their hand. It's probably a mental thing, yeah. right? And then, so how are we gonna get that mental block away? And that's by adding bucket throws, apparently. Uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I mean, uh, I like that when you said uh, talking about constraints, like just doing different stuff, even like with you, Mike, like just doing, like you need to, like there were you don't even throw baseball sometimes on recovery days. Like you had doing like eleven nines and sevens only because like. You're just a workload freak. Like you just want to like throw, throw, throw all day. Yep. And like the only way for us to like not get a bunch of arm stress and like workload basically is to have you throw those because you're going to know if you're going to try and throw an eleven on small heavy. Yeah. And like. Yeah. And so I, 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 I don't know. I just like I think that's kind of the the going back to the hitting thing with you, Dalton. Was like that's kind of what I was getting at. It was like the constraint of it is like if I can manipulate something in this guy's training to get him to feel something, like if Mike giving him roll-ins was like he can actually feel the separation of like okay my hips are staying open my torso is rotating i know what that feels like now that i've done that and i can feel a little bit i'm going to try and replicate that feeling as i progress from most combined like rolling or pickoff all of it like my windups which is the least constrained thing uh, I, I don't know if like like you said though sorry to interrupt you no, go for it. like all these things are tools in the toolbox they're oh, not absolutely. they're not a live by end by thing right mm-hmm. it's how you what you do on the mound like you don't have these you're not gonna do a roll in on the mound you're not no. gonna do throw a blue ball on the mound in game mm-hmm. in game you know what i mean yeah. so these are just tools to get them to be a better in-game player that's all that matters and then some of the some of the issues that we've seen or other people have seen is like everybody gets falls in love with the practice part of it right they forget there's an actual competition that you have to go out and you have to actually throw the piss out of the ball and compete against a hitter or barrel a ball up against a pitcher. You know what I mean? Yeah, a lot of people a, good point. a lot of people fall in love with that practice aspect and they don't fucking give a shit about the game aspect. Yeah. And then when they get to the mound, there there goes their command, right? There goes their top spinners, there goes their snap hooks. That's you know I mean? mean that statement right there is where I've kind of built my own philosophy starting from stay with what is most familiar, what is most game like and then extend out, branch out where you have to, when you have to. Whereas a, a lot of the problems I see right now, a lot in this industry are coaches like right away from day one, we're using heavy bats, we're using long bats, we're using overload, underload, we're doing all this stuff and getting really unfamiliar with the game stuff. The bat that's gonna be in your hands, the ball that's gonna be in your hands, the bat you're swinging, the ball you're The throwing. shit you make money with, Yeah. period. So stay as familiar as you possibly can with that stuff and then use the tools when they actually need to be used. I think it's also like with the with the whole idea of like, it, this is also just super dependent. Cause I, I actually, see, on the flip side of things, I was the guy that needed that. I was the guy that walked in and like when I met Andrew in 2017, he can attest, I was possibly the worst athlete in the entire building. And still I are. had to do, I might, I might still be in. That's no, why I'm still confirmed. working with Andrew. That's why I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to work with you guys. But uh, just like, just constantly, I was always like, 
I just threw baseballs. I was just, yeah. there was no very little to that. And it was just like the fact that I was just like, well, I need everything and anything yeah. to get away from the things that I had done. And Something I on the even, swing side though. Yeah, yeah like, exactly. More, so I feel like if you have swings. an athlete that is like this guy, like you're just a bad hitter. I was yeah. a bad pitcher. I was a bad thrower. I needed to get away from everything and I needed to have everything get thrown at me that was so weird and out there to just become a better player. And it was almost from like day one. I was like, dude, I remember throwing weight balls for the first time. I was like, my elbow feels like it's going to explode yeah. because I physically was a bad thrower. I, I had to organize over time. Yeah. Were you strong? Were you strong before you started? I'm, I was, if, if you can believe it, DJ, I was weaker back then than I am now. I know well, you're I younger. So you, you have a little bit, a little bit of man strength right now. Like uh, you're getting there. I'm getting there. I'm not gonna lie. It was actually getting better. Getting better yesterday. We were, we've been doing we've been doing a program. Me and Andrew Braden. We've been feeling a lot better. Um, it's not good. It's definitely not good. But it's getting better. I think my first day training in a gym was 2016. They physically told me I was not allowed to bench press because I had a trainer um, that told me bench press was bad for my shoulders. As everyone says, you know, pitching for pitchers, bench press is bad. It's bad for the shoulders. Bad for the elbows. Let's not do it. I, they told me for my test day that I was not allowed to bench press 95 pounds with a barbell. And I was like embarrassed. And I couldn't even do like my testing weight for my weight on a deadlift. They were like, you're moving it so slow, it's not worth getting your numbers for this. Do you remember those days of like going in there with the, what was it called, a Tendo machine? And I was just like, I mean, I was like, holy shit, I'm, am I that weak? And I'm like, you have the strength of a middle schooler and you're in high school going into Juco. I was like, why? How hard are you throwing? I was 77 miles an hour and over the course of two years of training, a whole gap year for 10 months and absolutely just trying absurd things that like, I still this day, like I crack up about that I did and I'm like, holy crap, I can't believe I'm alive. It was all well worth it to walk away and be like, being in game, I hit 92 and like leaving and being 88 and I was like, wow, I can actually play college baseball. I'm very excited. One of those things are like, we we have to be really careful as coaches to not let our own personal experiences become how we teach. Mm-hmm. Like that, there's a whole spectrum of people. Like you just said, you were the guy that needed all that stuff. Yeah. You know, I I know guys that won't even look at the technology, and they're so old school, swing yeah. down on the ball, and you know, it, it, all that stuff. And they're big leaders. Yeah. And you would never try and teach them anything else. And then at the same time, like. You have someone like me who's more in the middle. I got by for a really long time because I was really strong and fast. I was a good athlete. And then later in my career, I used some tools and it helped me a little more. But just a whole spectrum of people. For sure. We we just have to make sure we coach each of them accordingly. And that's something that gets figured out over time. We just have to be really careful not to throw on our own agenda, throw what worked for us at these kids athletes or have that mentality like right is, away, he, is, he, yeah. is he calling me dogma am i just all in on the dogma is that what he's all in i'm all in on the dogma, you anti-dogma. <laughs> you're right though i it, it's I, I think two good ends of the spectrum are like him and like liam o'brien liam o'brien him as in mike as in mike, nobody can yeah, see sorry, mike, mike, and, <laughs> mike and liam o'brien okay. uh but like mike is just pissed strong I'm, I hate floating this guy's blood. No. I should, Look at this I smile. If you people could see the smile on this man's face. Super right strong, <laughs> pretty dang mobile, relatively mobile. Yeah. Um, but like checks the boxes. Like if we're looking at like actually key boxes, like he checks them, right? So like for you, we probably should get a little weird because like we've kind of tra- we've kind of tried a lot of stuff and it's working. But like we're obviously we're doing the volume thing now and like yeah. I actually think that's going that's his work. issue. If I told Dalton. Thing, I told right? Dalton heard that nice um, issues volume. Yeah, and and if we look at, but here here's the other end of the spectrum. But I want to get better, coach. I don't think that's a volume thing. It's it's I. I the coaches. You were hold on. This this guy. I know. Hybrid beat. I know. Threw about eighteen total balls. Threw the hardest gray ball he's thrown in here on a probably eighty percent day. Yeah. He's it, it was bizarre. So, moral story is Friday should be Okay, hold on. So, Friday, on Monday, there was a lot of throwing that went into the pre-Velo for that day. Yes. That, that was that was a little too much. Yes. I, I agree with that. Yes. But the, the week's workload, I think that I'm not overdoing that, okay. to be honest. Sure. Well, I, I will, we'll, we'll see this week. We'll spike it on Friday. Let's see what happens. Okay. There's one end. The second end of the spectrum is Liam O'Brien. He is... Not strong. Very, like, just not strong. Uh, like, like, generally strong for, like, his age but like not like he's never trained in a weight room and he did like the most basic sort of program you can kind of do he, he pressed 
Um, he pressed, squatted, squatted, did variations of squats. Eric did a good job with him. Eric did a really good job. Yeah. Super basic movements uh, for about four to eight weeks, and he gained like five ticks. He got up to like 95, but, right? Like, like there's that's the two ends. Like, you can go super basic, and it's probably going to work. You just have to know the athletes. Completely dependent on training age, a million, a million things. That's why genetic I, ability. Genetic ability is yeah, a huge one, right? And obviously, we can't figure that out on our own. But like butter, kind of, olive oil, butter, butter, I feel like how much you've been exposed to stuff too. Yeah, Do you exactly. feel like how long, like training age? Oh, oh, so not like your literal age, but like no, how, like long, how you've long you've been exposed training, to a like training simulator. I've never heard the concept training age. I just didn't hear him. I thought he meant yeah. literal age because Mike is old. No, I'm really off. Okay. <laughs> 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 Sorry. So, yeah. I'm going to keep jabbing up too. It sucks. Oh, man. What are you going to be like 23, right? I'm going to be 35 in November. <laughs> 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 got, got a couple kids, got a dog. Yeah. Damn. I feel in two months I'm going to turn 25 and I, I told my parents, I'm going to be a a quarter of a century. Stop it. I feel so old. Stop it right now. You're so dumb. <laughs> you so dumb. I, think, I think sometimes so that I'm old, but I come in here and it reminds me that I'm, I'm young again. Because like, I don't feel old when I'm training or playing or doing anything baseball related or, or just kind of coming in here and just having a good time with everyone. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just being able to... You could kind of come in here and make the argument that you get to be a kid again. Well, I mean, Sean Doolittle, yeah. period. Yeah. Like, there it is. Yeah. Like the guy's thirty five, <laughs> almost thirty six, and yeah. he is a kid in a candy store exactly. yeah. in the facility. I, and he, it's just on days when I don't have to go to my my side job and I and I have the day to myself, <laughs> I just get to hang out and just do whatever I want here because yeah. it's just fun. You know, <laughs> that is the best thing in the world. But I swear to God, like if the world were to end, like Mike Byrne would still say. Damn, I gotta get to my hobby. It's my hobby of being. I, I love hobby. that. It's the best. No, this is my hobby, sadly, because I'm not getting paid to do it. Just yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. This is the oh, best. Okay. That's just like the best like mindset thing with you, though. It's so funny because like I always used to be like, damn, I, I really hope I play. You like you walk around like I don't hope anymore. What do you mean? It's not about if it's when. It's, when. Yeah. it's your. It's kind of you're kind of psychotic, but I love it. I love that you're like so bought in on yourself. On that, on a good day throwing, it's I'm a I'm a baseball player and I have this little thing that I make money on the side yeah. as a server. And on a bad day throwing, I am a waiter. Waiter, aspiring thrower. Yes. So, moral of the story: all the tools are useful, but often misused or used at the wrong time. It's like you can't use a. A screwdriver or border a hammer and nail or borderline being replaced with game like fuels exactly and then probably the most important thing is that butter sucks mm. that's not true yeah Dude. let's take a let's take a vote right now i'm on butter you're I, off butter. I, I'm, on I'm, butter. Butter. I'm all about more than butter but i'm not out on butter you know what i mean mm-hmm. i don't ever use butter. i don't put butter on my steak I'm just saying, like, but like butter, butter, from what I learned, butter is a tool that is often misused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know, you know what is? Wow, this is good. Shopping <laughs> for higher processed foods is a tool that's misused. Can we just talk about the fact, because I just went to, like, Trader Joe's the other day, and, like, I'm looking at, like, I remember going and uh, seeing you, ring, like, I got a D the other day. It was, like, $7.99 for a jar that's, like, no bigger than my hand. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, now why is it so expensive? But I can go get the unsalted BS for two ninety nine for a, for a hog of butter, baby. I was like, damn, it makes it. Don't even give me why. Yeah. I, I will go political on that, and you don't want more. No, I went D. I went D. I went D, and like this has been getting better. I'm not gonna lie. Don't ignore the homeboy. Score. Homeboy gets a raise already and buys D. Yeah, see, like, Mark, if you're listening, I need my duck fat. I can't live off canola oil anymore. Like, Hoopas are ruining my digestive tract. All right, let's talk about who you fuckers are now. You want, you want to kick it off, Dalton? Yeah, Dalton Hurd. You All seem right. Dalton Hurd. Wow, me? Interesting. Yeah. Uh, my name is Dalton Hurd. I am from Bend, Oregon. I just moved down here. How long has it been? Like a month? Yep. About a yeah. month ago. Um. Already I, hates his job. He's got to deal with me <laughs> Michael was actually my first in-house athlete, and yeah. I told DJ right then and there, if things don't change, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to have to change it. Yeah, I, I'm not going to have to change it. So this is my two years. 
No, I uh, I went to Seattle U straight out of high school, played baseball there, studied exercise science, drafted by the Cubs in 18, played with them for a few years, then immediately went back home to the gym that I trained at as a player, got a job there. Shout out to Boss Sports Performance and Bend. Um, those guys are awesome. Kevin Boss, one of my biggest role models, like family to me, um, kind of empowered me to keep on this uh, on this trail and or on this road and continue what I'm doing in strength and conditioning, which I think ultimately I decided that's that's uh, kind of it's kind of backhanded to what we were going yeah. over earlier, especially talking about how people fall in love with the training side of things and the practice side. They forget about the game side. I realized that I was in love with the practice side of things, the training side of things. And um, that was my passion. So I stayed in this field and now I'm doing strength and conditioning and, and hitting too. That's me. I shop I shop at Trader Joe's almost exclusively and I hate butter. <laughs> I hate butter. Black coffee though. Black coffee only. All right, I can get behind Dalton's that. diet and mine are very similar, minus he eats a lot of greens and doesn't eat butter. I don't know what he eats. I just want to look like that. Genetics. Like, genetically that I just get screwed. Bro. I just I kinda yeah. got screwed. I will put it up. She can vouch for me. That was not These two can vouch for me. I have the, probably the most clean diet in the entire world, and I don't look like Dalton. That has got to be the most yeah. frustrating thing in the world, though. That might piss me off more than the guy that can roll out of bed, rip two green balls at 50, and then throw a baseball at 95. Dalton can eat olive oil, no butter, and just like, I just saw this guy eat a salad with no protein on it, and he looks like a, like somebody chiseled him. From no, that's the problem. That's, you eat meat, you eat butter, you eat veggies, you eat fucking olive oil. Period. I do. I feel like you know. I did. A, I it. feel like I do a damn good job. I just. I don't know why I don't look like anybody else. I just. I, He's also. You know who you're doing? Like, you I look like yourself. You should be proud of that. Yeah. Come on. It's tough. Don't compare. You look like you don't work out. Yeah. I've been working my ass off. You guys. Did you see me walking yesterday? My my calves have been. This guy banged. I'm like I'm doing it right now. Last Friday, this dude only did just the deadlifts. I was there for the entire workout, and then he banged the rest of the workout. You know what? He, he looks way better than you. Yeah, he does. He got lucky. He's genetically. Wow. You just no, answered your question. Something has to be there. Hey, I love you, man. I'm just giving you shit. I'm off. I'm just off you today. So. <laughs> oh, name? Okay. Who are you? <laughs> Dal Dalton Barry, uh, throwing trainer, close now. Um, been here for how long? Been here for since May. So what is that? About two and a half months, uh, give or take some change. Um, man, long, long uh, not as cool as other uh, as Dalton heard. Other Dalton, not near as cool. Not, not drafted. Uh, played at junior college uh, in San Diego. Uh, <coughs> it's a long gap here. Kind of to bet on myself, see if I can get better. Learned a lot from my my friends that I lived with. That kind of changed my life of being a. Not only a better athlete, but a better person. Played college baseball at Holy Names University. Uh, got my year cut short with COVID, uh, where I got to play against our lovely director, Andrew Motto. Uh, loved meeting him. Met him first time in uh, driveline in 2017. Um, but yeah, then, you know, I was, you know, training at driveline. Had Tommy John surgery when I, I was training a little bit, popped my elbow and kind of just was like, hey, let's, let's give it one last ride and was coming back and, you know, saw that. Push was looking for an intern, and I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go see my buddy Andrew, because I know he was living with a friend of mine, Connor Rooney, and I was like, what's, what's up? And he was like, dude, we'd love to have you full-time. I was like, all right, let's do that. So, super, It's not super really funny. how it went. It was more <laughs> Dylan Rowe and Andrew. Uh, I, convincing DJ is still a thing every day, you know? But, yeah, every day it's like, dude, do you actually know what you're doing? It's like, I'm a really good liar. I, I was able to pull this off. Yeah, quite. Off Give yourself wow. some credit. He did a this bunch of Ashton's a guy. G. Ashton's hey, a G. Because the other day. Push, this, this guy is smart. Is yeah, he's easy. smart. He knows Trust. what he's doing. He's not giving <laughs> himself credit. From San Diego, yeah. Just moved to Arizona, though. So I'm, I'm new, to, new to Arizona. I love it out here. Moved out here with the girlfriend and excited to hopefully. So what's your favorite food? Ooh. Ooh. Just a block of butter. Um. No Honestly, no probably a good ribeye steak I or or sushi. Like if I did, that's how I know he loves butter. How about you? No. Tofu. <laughs> tofu. Yeah, I eat tofu every day. But you eat oh, tofu every day? No. no. It's not my favorite. Wait, food. actually, I, I bet your test is bizarrely low. 
Uh, yeah, you're so. That's where you're. I'm gonna have to buy you a red light. You're so lucky we're not on camera right now and make you take off your shirt. He's always pulling his shirt Andrew takes his shirt off willingly out there. Willingly. Yeah. Uh, my favorite food. Then he flexes on you and like, yeah, stop. Uh, I want to do. I want to have it be some snobby answer in some health food that you guys don't even know because it's so healthy. But oh god. Pizza. Pizza. I will crush an thing. entire pizza. It doesn't matter how big. Do you eat pizza the other day? When when uh oh you were up, you weren't here. I was Friday? not here. Yeah, yeah it was Friday. Uh, do you think that nobody else pizzas the hut? I'm gonna go ahead and skip that question. <laughs> I don't want to be incriminated. <laughs> you guys got anything else to add to this? Andrew, is your favorite food steak from that My giant favorite? steak you ate in Utah? Let's go, that coach. That was yes. good. That was there good. There was a like. It was a table side, like it was for the table sake. Oh, and these guys all got their own. Yeah, we ate all of it. All of them. I'm like, you guys good? And like, oh yeah. And Andrew, he's like, oh, he almost I'm died. fine. Like eating all of it. Oh, ice cream after that. Ate all of it. And then there's this ice cream place. And we're like, we don't have to go. And they're like, oh, we, we do have to oh, go. So, <laughs> Jesus. And I, we all just kind of had half. Andrew's like, oh, I have to finish this. And while he's eating, he's like, I'm like grabbing his stomach. <laughs> he's like, just a couple so more. And he like finishes it. it. Then after, <laughs> so excited. Oh, loaded. We went to the, then we went six to an escape room. So running around in an escape room, show. and he's full of steak. I, was, yeah, I was a few minutes. I needed to, I needed to leave that, that escape room. Like, honestly, though, best ice cream spot I've ever it's had. Really good. Yeah, I've had it twice hard. now in Utah, and it is phenomenal. Shout out to whatever it is called. Yeah. It's in Provo. Yeah, Provo, Utah. <laughs> but, but it is elite yeah. ice cream. I was impressed by you. Did you eat the whole whole thing? I'm trying to get it control. Then we escaped from the escape room. That is like my favorite thing when when we go in here in the morning. And like Andrew, for some odd reason, like we'll be sitting in like the bullpen area, and Andrew, like he just has like his crop top on, he's just like this. And I walk up to him, like there's six eggs, there's two pieces of toast, and he's like, oh wait, you forgot some milk up here. Just like this this whopper of like little little pooch on. And, like, and then like an hour goes by. Takes like you know ten minutes. Like where'd you go? And you're like, ah, eggs are gone. We're good. Look <laughs> <laughs> real good. Yeah. Super. Cool. I wonder how many people are actually actually still listening to this right now. No one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think I think we had a good conversation. I I love yeah. the I I think that like the technology side, like Dalton was saying earlier, is like I completely agree that it gets it gets misused, and that's the sad part about baseball and like the industry that we're in is like you see so many guys that just want to just just reinvent the whole circle just like change the world of baseball and like there are very few things i think in the entire you know revolution of baseball has happened within the last like 10 years that people have actually changed the entire wheel i feel like it's really just stealing everybody steals from each other and it just kind of makes things better on their own or 100%. adds their twist to it and i think that like a lot of coaches where they get weird is just like oh my god this new thing came out it's got to be necessary it's got to make kids better there's no way. And if I can buy that as a selling point, I have the newest thing. I was I was talking to Taylor this morning just about like, here's my knowledge base, like up here, mm -hmm. right? And like I can work between these two things, but I never go above and beyond my knowledge base. And he's like talking about how he thinks it's like doing a disservice to the athletes. I'm like, bro, absolutely not. Like you don't need to learn extra shit just to add it into a program, right? Yeah. Always be learning for sure. But that that mid ground, middle ground, especially in strength and conditioning, the basics are key, period, right? And knowing the the why you go above and beyond your knowledge base and understanding that, increasing your knowledge base, truly to that base, that that top. If you don't know it, don't go above it, right? Yeah, because you're, you're, you're like in terms of like you're talking about like just like just BSing something just to exactly. say that you know it, exactly, quote unquote, exactly. know it. Yeah. Like that kind of idea. The perfect example is seeing an exercise used on Instagram and going, oh, that looks hard and cool. I'm going to yep. throw it into my day. Yep. Yeah. Like, surely it does good for somebody somewhere. But yeah. Most Not knowing what it does to the body or yeah. why. Now that you, dude, you know how crazy that is? Like, like, you go on Instagram and, like, it's so funny because everybody clowns on it. It's like, you see, like, Saquon Barkley on a half moon Bosu ball with glasses on and bands around his eyelids. And then he's <laughs> catching, uh, like, bowling pins. And right. we're like, what are we doing? Like, how is this helping Saquon Barkley's knee get better? 
And is this just just What's I watch it? I don't it looks know if that was real or not. Like that's how it's so that it's out there. The internet can get. Yeah, I've I've legit. I, I don't know what it is about like the synaptic. I just said Singer has like the synaptic glasses. I've seen it all over oh, the place. Yeah, it's like yeah. they flash in your eyeballs. And like, how many times am I gonna be pitching and like a blue is gonna hit me in the side of the face, and then purple's gonna hit me in the left pupil, and all of a sudden I'm like. Okay, I don't know what's going on. I'm just gonna go ahead and throw this ball as hard as piss right down the middle. Like I'm not gonna know whether I can't even barely do it with my eyes open for God's sake. Like, like I said earlier, crazy. the practice side of things is overtaking the game side. Yeah. Uh, I had a question actually for you two. What you know, you guys talk about like the basics of like knowing the basics is key. For like a person like me, like I don't wouldn't consider myself very well like on my knowledge base in the lifting side of things is not very high. And if there's anybody like listening that wants it, like what could you I saw that. This guy just winked at me. Um, what would you guys say? Where would you guys start? Like, what would be a good base of like either a a book or like b to like learn. Oh, to any learn. kind of experience to, to learn. learn and put like a good base on your knowledge of like do it yourself. Go out just and just go out and yeah, have the opportunity to do That's that. That's actually a really good point. I was trying to think of books to recommend, but I think ultimately what landed me in this field was how obsessed I was with training Same. before I knew anything. Same. Just doing things and. What works, what didn't concepts. work, how your body feels is king, right? Yeah. And tells then, you, that tells you everything. Then by nature, you, you know, hang out with other people that do the same thing. Then you learn from them and you network and then you get to learn from people that are way better than you. And um, that's far more valuable than any book I've read. I mean, Andrew, for example, like he had a strength base coming in here, but like now it's like expedited jesus sorry expedited that right like just being in here and like opening your mind like having an open mind to everything like hey like why am i looking at gate if i'm a fucking pitching coach right well you know now he knows why we're looking at gate and how to apply it to the mound you know and just being like your your networks your net worth in this industry period and it's going out doing it yourself asking questions to fellow coaches and building a network outside of here that you can ask questions to like good friends with like, you know, college strength coaches or pro strength coaches or other private facilities where we could all just bounce ideas off each other and make the athlete better, you know, let alone ourselves. Man, that'd be cool. Like, is there, is there a thing for like training the mission? I know for like pitching, you have the ABCA. Like, is that, that's like the biggest convention of like bouncing. Yeah. New there's ideas. There's all, there's there's all some, yeah. But there's not one like, like everybody goes to the ABCA. I mean, Sornex is has a big one. Yeah. Uh, a lot of things better than NSCA one. does. NSCA, yeah. There's all kinds of. Yeah. But as far as books go, like if you don't know it, if you don't feel it, and you don't know what you're doing out there, like first of all, learn anatomy, learn physiology, learn why it's why certain things are doing the certain ways they're doing on the mound, and try and fix it in the weight room. That's where I've gotten where I. Well, that's essentially how I built the business. Like, all right, I needed this backside hip extension. This dog shit. So how am I going to do that? And that was me going fuck around with it myself in the weight room. You know, I can read all the books I want, but if I don't know how it truly feels for the athlete, it's not going to do them any kind of good. Yeah. Self-exploration is key. Which yeah. kind of might be taking this off topic a little bit, but this circles back to um, one of the one of my favorite tools for coaching, which is getting your athlete to understand this and teach themselves through this method. The first thing I would like to do with somebody in the weight room or with a bat is to get them to ask the right questions, to empower them, to think in certain ways, to get them to experience and learn things themselves rather than having everything be taught to them. Like if you can get somebody to ask the right questions and um, get them to conceptualize what is happening in their swing without you telling them, that's ultimately what's going to make the most room for development for them being your own mini personal yeah, coach basically yeah. like you can tell somebody to do whatever at the end of the day if they can't understand that themselves and then ask questions to get even better mm-hmm. it's going to be really hard to progress that's a really good question because i asked that same question to somebody and they told me to read uh super training by mel sif <clears throat> and it's like a textbook like that you read that textbook it's like i'll bring it it's like that thick and it's the most in-depth textbook you'll ever read in your life and it's the first textbook I read in strength and conditioning. I didn't have a clue what was going on. I was like, this is, yeah. this guy yeah. lied to me. Like, this is, this means nothing to me. It's kind of just like a huge salad. You're like, dude, where exactly. the salad bar? Like, where so, do yeah, I I'm just going to cover my bases with this and like exactly. make sure I don't miss anything yeah. and read this. And yeah. to the point, like as a coach too, it's more so like development stuff, right? It's like human development and human motor skills and 
psychology and stuff like that. That's more important as a strength coach, in my opinion, than it is like knowing I can teach you how to program. I can we'll work off this force velocity curve. It's not that hard. Mm-hmm. Like it's so easy to pair what you guys do on the throw side compared to what we do on the on the strength side. That's the biggest key as long as we're working together. But if you can't connect with the athlete and you don't have the self-development side of things, that's where, you know, that's not where you're, you're not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Have you noticed that like since starting like certain athletes, like in the beginning, they just like, yeah, okay. Like, cool. You're new. Like, I'm not really going to ask any questions. I'm just going to be like, you're here. And if I really need something and you're the only guy here, like maybe I'll ask you, Mm -hmm. have you noticed that like now that you've been here for a month, like athletes are like, Oh, I, I actually like, I want to listen a little different on our side. I feel like, yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, it's it has its similarities too, yeah. you know. I um, especially me, someone who's just a quieter guy and has a RBF, as you guys would say. Oh yeah, <laughs> baby. That is you and Taylor both, bro. <laughs> yeah. No, it 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 starts out with like you're more so just assisting with um, like physically with things like here, toss this med ball to me, or yeah, you know, can you hold this for me? Or, and then eventually they start to pick at your brain a little bit more and trust you a little bit more. But definitely like being a new guy in any any field, that's going to happen at first. And I feel like in the, on the pitching side of things, though, more heavily, just like, what do you know? What do you yeah. Just wait till this offseason. It's going to be worse. The psychological, like, <laughs> we've already told you that yeah, today. Yeah. 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 I, I'm like, I cannot wait to see like, Stephen Oker interact with you. <laughs> he will call you ugly 300 times. See, like, I, it's just, it's very interesting because I feel like, once I get to that point with you, they, I just refer back to Mike. Like the first time I met him, I'm like this guy, this guy's a douche. I'm like, I don't know what his problem is, but like, look, look at that. I think he just have a mustache and like wear a headband everywhere, and I think he's huge. Too. After that guy, I want to. You wear a headband to serve? Yes, I do. I'm a five star diamond Awesome. <laughs> now under that headband, there's a beauty of a fade waiting to pop out. Um, but it, it's just weird. Like I just, as soon as I buy into it, and I feel comfortable with you on that sense, and I get to know like. Like I said, psycho, like psychology side of me is like, I don't know what you're going through on that day. I don't know how you are as a person. Like, like DJ, you're saying earlier, it's just like how you were like treated when you grew up, like things like that, your interaction with your parents, family, friends, like things that shaped you to kind of get here, like all play a part in how you have like that very first interaction with somebody. All right, done. Good podcast. Good podcast. Right, Hope you listen today. Yeah.